call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 40 of Call It Friendo, the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host Donica Tiernan watch 2001 Spirited Away. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. Please follow Call It Friendo podcast on Instagram, like the Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes or any or all of the above. Please send any questions or recommendations to callitfriendopodcast at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram. Irashaimasen! Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm living the dream here in the United Kingdom. What does Would the you dream like consist hear? of? <laughs> Not very much. It's uh, being asleep for eight hours per night. I did get my first vaccine shot. Now my arm is starting to heal, but it was mm-hmm. sore for over 24 hours. Now it's okay. Did it's you watch to know the that football they gave last me something night? Real? Last night or the mm. night before? What day? What, what are we doing now? Where are Either we? of them. Did you watch the... You what watched was Scotland, night? England. No. It was a Spain, yeah, I watched Poland. Scotland, England. I did. I watched Scotland beat England nil-nil, and it was a very successful result. We're all very proud. We're very proud. What does that mean for Scotland? Are they still in? Possibly. We need to beat Croatia. And then even if we come third in the group, which is probable, even if we beat Croatia, we, uh, we might still go through because they've wow. lowered the bar so far. Yeah, they really have. And yet still Ireland isn't in it. Well, I mean, you can only lower the bar to a certain level. Yeah. Before you've just got people yeah. on crutches. They can only lower they can only lower it till it specials. touches the top of the Irish team's bicycle helmets that they have to wear. That's true. That is yeah, true. Yeah. And their their lunch boxes, their Roy Keane lunch boxes. <laughs> and Celtic backpacks. What yep. have you been watching besides football? To celebrate my return to Scotland, I watched the documentary about legendary football manager Sir Alex Ferguson which is directed by his son, Jason. It's called Sir Alex Ferguson. It's directed by in. his son. Yeah, yeah. His son, Jason ah, Ferguson, appears to be, he appears to be like a bit of a kind of media chancer. He, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem to have, you know, like hmm. he's, he's one of those guys. He's like, yeah, I do everything. I'm, I, uh, my job is whatever. to be Alex Ferguson's son. Hey, have you, you ever made s- a solid documentary, to be fair. Well, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Tell me about the documentary. So it's part retrospective on Ferguson's life and part dealing with the consequences of his brain hemorrhage uh, he suffered in 2018. The best scenes for me were the archival footage from his time in Scotland playing for Rangers, a team that sold him because he was married to a Catholic, which is obviously a sensible approach in general. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And the scenes of winning both the League and European Cup Winners' Cup at Aberdeen. Even if you're not interested in football, it's a fascinating insight into someone who managed to mold individuals in his own image, kind of like a cult leader. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's called Sir Alex Ferguson Never Give In, and uh, it's on Amazon Prime in the UK could... and other places, I imagine, because I think Amazon produced it or bought Have it. you seen uh, the national documentary Mistaken for Strangers? I have, yeah. That was done by, uh, what's his name, Matt Berninger's brother. Who... Yeah, I was watching it and I was going, God, this is a, a bit, bit of a shit, isn't it? <laughs> I was just thinking, this isn't very good, is it? So obviously, I, was, I it was looking fine. it up, looking it up on IMDb as I was watching it. And I was going, ah, right. The secret ingredient was nepotism. Ah, no, it's not a, it's not a good doc. 
the bro- the brothers not, the brothers really like the, the main band, character though. in it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. because it's not by the band. It's about like a semi-famous uh, musician having a brother who's like a nerdy. He's into he's into kind of like low budget horror films or something. I seem to remember, but yeah, it's it's more about the relationship between the two brothers than it is about the band. I but remember anyway, one time I, I had to it, choose. I would take the Sir Alex Ferguson doc. Hey, what were you going to say? I remember one time I bought because um, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, and uh, back when DVDs were a thing, I would buy like um, live concert DVDs of bands I was into, and then I saw this like uh, DVD. Bob Dylan's 1964 tour. I was like, oh, that's fucking year he went electric. Amazing. I'll get that. And um, what it was, was I, no exaggeration. And I managed to get my money back for exactly this reasons. What it was, was the drummer of his band at the time had super eight videos of the tour that he had done. But like all it was, was him going around, like making a fucking video of Big Ben or something like that. Really like it. And this big fat guy with a beard curating it. There was no footage of Dylan at all. It was just this guy was on the tour, and he and I yeah I took it back into HMV or whatever. I was like, this is this this is not as advertised. And they gave me my money back straight away. That was probably the straw that broke the camel's back for HMV. You put them out of business there. <laughs> is that still well, a thing? HMV? Surely not. No one buys be- stuff. Everyone just uh, goes to Blockbuster. This is it. Everyone goes to Blockbuster. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think people do. Whenever, like, on certain film podcasts, you see like real t- top shelf film nerds get very excited about something called Arrow releases. But even something like um, Criterion Collection is now a streaming service. You know. Yeah, when I hear someone say that they bought a Blu-ray, like on a film podcast, they're like, "Yeah, I got it on Blu-ray." I'm like, "What? Why? Why? Yeah. What do you want that for?" I guess there is a fear that, like, if, you, if you're paying for stuff online, which, again, why would you even be doing that? I mean, yeah, no, support your local studio. Mm. But, yeah, I guess if you have a physical product, is, I mean, if you're just, at the moment, if someone is either streaming something or if you've paid for, like, a, some kind of digital version of something, you're, you're actually just paying for access to it. It's not like a physical product a lot There's, of the time. There are elements to DVDs particularly, and I suppose by extension Blu-rays, that like will one day justify certain ones of them becoming like neat little collector's items. Like I remember there was just a bag full of cool Easter eggs on the Monty Python and the uh, Holy Grail DVD or on the Ringu DVD. You uh, you could uh, watch the actual video that causes people to die in a week, but the DVD gave you like an official federal warning that you were doing so at your own risk. Little things like that, you know. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, in those, in that regard, I get that they're fun, but like, there's no arguing the convenience sake anymore, unless like it's it's almost borderline. Okay, no, right. Fans are fans, and a certain type of fandom, like people, just continue forever, and they didn't adapt to the new ways of doing things. But otherwise, that whole attachment to physical media—it's almost like a survivalist sensibility, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, what else you've been watching? At the end of so the other thing that I watched for the first time was the film "We're the Millers." I had respect for Ted Lasso star Jason Sudeikis. I finally got into watching this, and it's uh, it's the, the road trip drug smuggling comedy with him and Jennifer Aniston. Not the greatest comedy in the world, but it's got some pretty good laughs. Will Poulter is very impressive in one of his early roles. And it's a shame he hasn't done more comedy because he's usually cast in drama these days. Yeah, it's it's a, it's very much of its time. I mean, it's only like 2013 or something. It's uh, directed by the same guy who made Dodgeball. But he's gone on to become like 
he he works with The Rock frequently. He made Skyscraper, among other things. A bit of a weird career. Mm, yeah. I mean, but like The Rock seems like the sort of person who just, I mean, if you're going to get anybody in your network. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think he made just, the right choice. Yeah, if you manage to be that guy's cleaner, I'm sure you're driving a Benz. Yeah, because what was the alternative? He hooked up with like Justin Long in Dodgeball or Vince Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just tag along. Be, be, be Justin Long's. Like, can you imagine like the 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 abuse Justin Long's PA got before he finally was forced to fire him? I mean, just because I presume he doesn't get much work anymore, does he? Uh, Justin Long is. The... Uh, he records podcasts. Mm-hmm. He's a, a very successful podcaster. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, I think he's doing all right. I didn't. Well, I'm happy. I am happy for Justin Long. Uh, Will yeah. Poulter now, of course, more more so specialising in being kind of a, a demonic prick. That's his normal character that he goes for these days. That was weird that he made that segue. He's got an interesting face, but he's as a younger young boy, he was very likable and good at comedy. It's just interesting he, that he segued into just being a novel. Scary. Like that was a cat. Yeah, scary. Like evil. He, he's able to turn on evil very easily. Like him in Detroit is a truly yeah. just irredeemable horrific character i mean it's but he he's, he just looks like a racist cop <laughs> yeah yeah he part. does yeah 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 totally like you've got racist eyes well i suppose he's kind of he's such an emotive actor like have you ever seen a, one of his early films called wild bill no wild bill now is uh i think it might be noah taylor as well i might be wrong there though uh, i think noah taylor is in it as this guy who gets out of prison and goes back to his family, um, and of course they've been getting on without him. But then, you know, there's a bit of a redemption story tied in. And Will Poulter is, of course, the son who he abandoned, so he just he hates him. He's got no time at all for the old fella. Which I'm sure you can imagine Will Poulter, you know, fitting perfectly into that. You know, is it Noah Taylor or is it Ben Mendelsohn? Mm, no, it's not Ben Mendelsohn. Are you thinking? You might be thinking of Starred Up. But I'm no, not thinking I of don't... anything. I was directed by Dexter Fletcher. Yeah, just yeah, it was. Charlie What's the name of the Creed lead actor? Miles. Charlie Creep Miles is oh, okay. Wild Bill. Okay. It's a good movie. Okay. Andy Serkis plays a kind of a gangster figure. I liked it. Anyway, what else have you been watching? So the final thing I watched was uh, something that I re- was re-watching. I re-watched Blockers on Amazon Prime. This is the 2018 high school comedy with three daughters planning on losing their virginity on prom night. And their three parents are trying to stop them. Great performances from John Cena and Leslie Mann. But the real MVP is Ike Barinholtz from Mad TV, who's on fire. I think it's uh, it's a really underrated comedy. Lots of really uh, funny moments throughout. I'd heartily recommend it. You said uh, Mad TV like it's something that you're familiar with. I don't think yeah, I've ever seen any of it. You never watched any Mad TV? Sure. No. Yeah, I remember like Ike Barinholtz, Bobby Lee, people like that doing Mad TV sketches. It was... Uh, like it's, it's stuff it, now that it's stuff now that I think they've tried to scrub from the internet because some of the content was a little problematic. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, was, but, it's, no, no, it seems, funny, funny stuff. Seems like like it's some derivative of the Man Show or something, is it? No, it's more like SNL but raunchier. SNL, but they can say a lot more. They said a lot dodgier stuff. Very much. Anything else? No, that was it. How about yourself? I got a whole host of them. So I got around to watching uh, Johnny Flynn's film, Rolling Thunder, which was kind of like finally agreeing to go to your friend's uh, play that he keeps recommending, uh, except your friend is Quentin Tarantino, and the play is like a bloody 70s 
vengeance thing. It's re- it's really cool movie actually. I ju- I just had heard Quentin Tarantino harp on about it a bunch. It's about two POWs come back from Vietnam. One of them, his wife and son, get murdered uh, rather shockingly, and um, yeah, it is just quest for a cathartic vengeance in like a country he feels he no longer understands. It's great. Yeah, I, I, re- I understand that feeling. I get it. <laughs> We've all been there. What you need to do is uh, find someone to uh, get vengeance on. I mean, you're you're near enough to oh, lead. God. I'm sure you won't. Got so, well, I've got so many of those. Uh, the Return of Ringo was another one I watched, which is like, it's a textbook sort of spaghetti western, which if you're interested in spaghetti westerns, you should check it out. And if you're not, do not. It's a spaghetti western retelling of the Odyssey in the American Civil War. So a guy goes back to find his missus has been taken up with. Interestingly enough, I don't know how it was in America, in American Westerns at the time, but Italian Westerns had no bones about straight up just making Mexicans the bad guy. Like, people would just go, oh no, the the town is full full of Mexicans. And uh, yeah, that's just it. If you're Mexican, you're the bad guy. Which is interesting. Have you seen the other... I thought they did that in the US as well, no? I mean, I haven't watched as many Westerns as you have, but... Well, there's... Like was it for a example, bit more nuanced it. For example, like in in the Wild Bunch, the big bad is this like Mexican general. But then it, also there's um, a Mexican member of their gang, and indigenous Mexicans help them out in the end. You know, uh, I've also taken it upon myself to watch Columbo from the start, so be expecting updates on that weekly. Uh, <laughs> first, honestly, it's really enjoyable show, and much like you just mentioned with Cold Mountain, it, it not quite, well with Cold Mountain as with Columbo, you know where it's going every time. You've just got Peter Hawk being bumbling, and then a bunch of Peter Falk? like what did I say? I don't know, Hawk right. or something. Peter, F- yeah, probably that sounds like me. Peter Fuck. Peter Fox, right, Peter Fox, Fox sticks. Peter Fox bumbling away, um, just uh, just making everybody thinks he's think he's stupid. And then the murderers who are normally normally loaded as well. He's a socialist detective. Um, they just think they're going to get away with it. They think they're smarter than everybody. And you always see the murder, of course, at the start. So I just think it's a genius concept. Just watching. Just watching him solve the murders and outsmart people as they underestimate him. Of course, like it's the. T- I don't know. Have they tried to remake it? I suspect they have because they try to do it with everything. But it's just one of those things. Much like with you know, even when you had somebody like of the uh, comic prowess of Steve Martin try to step into the shoes of Peter Sellers for the Pink Panther, you just realize no, oh no, it was all about that one actor. And yeah, this is just completely and utterly the Peter Falk show. Do you I know mean, who directed the pilot episode? Yeah, I, I was it Steven Spielberg? It was Steven Spielberg, yes. Yes. <laughs> Acquired through the ether. That just came to me. It's magic. Mm. Uh, I I mean I remember watching it a lot when I was when I was younger. I mean it was always a fun show. But you I'm sure there's got to be like about well, like 20 seasons. You can have a lot of episodes to get through, but if I had yeah. to choose, I would prefer to watch a show where they don't reveal the baddie. I mean, I understand that's the function of the show is like seeing how he figures it out. But because I, I, I've noticed that as a trend that's been creeping into into some shows that I've watched in, in recent years. And I, I, give me a mystery. I want the mystery. I want you to be check solving out it at the same time as the detective. I will. I will. Yeah, yeah. That's the big but, Because mystery. that one doesn't. Okay, good. Because, yeah, I was worried that that one might like reveal what's going on but no okay 
I'd be interested to see, can you uh, call it beforehand? Because, like, a lot of people... Is it Kate Winslet? It it is Kate Winslet. Is she the baddie? Yes. Um, No, it's actually her ex-husband, Sam Mendes. And and he's played by uh, Sean Harris. Mm. No, 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 all of that's made up. Um, (laughs) Thank God. uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be shoddy writing, wouldn't it? Strange. Uh, Indeed, yeah. I also They're introducing the character of Sam Mendes, the film director. He just <laughs> appears in this town. So it's Kate Winslet's playing another character, but she's married to the film director. Of course, Sam yeah, Mendes, of course. Who's played by Sean Harris. Can you think that of times where that has that has happened in shows where you're like, no, the, the the this universe is imploding in on itself by the way you're, that you're okay. doing this. Wait, I, 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 this is I, like, I'll die on this hill, okay? I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever discussed this, but I will die on this hill. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to make a controversial statement, and uh, I, if anyone wants to come at me, they're welcome to come at me. But Ocean's 12 is the best Ocean's film. Come at me. No. People don't like Ocean's. Ocean's 12 is by far the best Ocean's film. By far? Yes, is the best <laughs> Oceans film. You've got the uh, amazing European uh, vistas. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's I know funny. what you're leading it's, up to. It's humor. It's got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts in a typical Soderbergh meta scene. Yeah. That people are like, oh, that was so stupid. Okay, I didn't mind that. I, I quite liked it. I don't know. I think uh, Don Logan from Sexy Beast. I I think I've only seen Ocean's Twelve once, and I remember liking it well enough. Um, And I liked the third film. I liked Ocean's Thirteen as well. Um, I haven't seen uh, Ladies Ocean. Haven't seen Lady Ocean. No, Lady Ocean. No, no, um, nor Lady Busters. Yeah, exactly. I was (laughs) I was contemplating watching Lady Busters the other day, but I managed to convince myself not to. Instead, I went for the classic Lady Killers. But anyway, Ocean's 12 is the best Ocean's film. Come at me. No, fair, but I do want to watch it again and see what you're getting at. Because I've seen the first a load, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, not, yeah, well, I, uh, yeah I've seen, I haven't seen the... Uh, I think I only saw the 12 maybe in the cinema, actually. Uh, I also rewatched. So I hadn't watched much this week. And then uh, yesterday morning and again this morning, I managed to watch two, two and a half hour plus films. First, like yesterday I watched... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the third time I've watched it. For me, it just gets better every time. I absolutely, like, really, really love it. This time of particular note to me was uh, just how fucking cool is Brad Pitt? I mean, he's cooler than Tyler Durden in this, if one can consider Tyler Durden cool. But just the general sense of style. I found myself uh, Googling moccasin boots after the credits rolled. Also, I hate to break it to you, but you're, you're, you're not going to be Brad Pitt. Stop that now. Come on. I'm sorry. Stop that. All right. Look at this beard. When has Brad Pitt ever had a beard? I'm not actually looking at you, but okay. 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 Uh, I, there's a, I remember there's a reason why I was hiding. I was just looking at a different <laughs> screen. I'm not looking at you. And I realized it's because you're topless. I've been but, topless on this before. The okay. Um, the, the bottom is all balls. Yeah, yeah. Also, the film has like massive kind of anti-woke, anti-political correctness subtext, which lines up perfectly with, if you've just watched Quentin Tarantino in interviews over the years, he doesn't uh, suffer that kind of foolishness gladly. And also, I, I in between this and the last time I watched it, I like I found the Bruce Lee scene in an awful puzzling. So I went j- researching, and I, there are actually a few instances, one in particular of he be, him being just an arsehole around uh, Hollywood and um, kind of an egomaniac on set, and to kind of 
Well, like in particular, there was a crossover episode between the Adam West Batman series and the Green Hornet in which Lee played Cato. And Bruce Ward's Robin and Cato were to have a fight and it was scripted that Robin won, but uh, Lee wasn't having that. So they said it would be a draw. And then Lee sent, spent the day around set just physically bullying, like weedy looking Bruce Ward. So I actually think like, you know, into Hollywood lore as uh, Tarantino would be for him to use... Mm. Lee as a foil just to demonstrate what a man of steel Cliff Booth Brad Pitt's character is actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then yeah, I, I've only seen uh, I've only seen this film once and uh, once uh, once upon a time in cinema it was good I enjoyed it definitely but I don't know I haven't gone back to it yet I still uh, as with a few of the more recent uh, Quentin Tarantino films I mean how how long is it is it about two and a half hours is it is it two forty five yeah, that's kind of that's probably the main reason. Oh, it shoots by though. Mm. It's it's real nicely paced, real nice hangout movie. I also then this morning I watched The Dark Knight, which I I think I've kind of in a way sort of solved a, a little bit of a riddle on Christopher Nolan, which is that like this is what he's into is dense plots with like maximum propulsion and i don't think that's all he's about like you can see dunkirk is less so on the dense plot but massive on the propulsion and um i suppose the prestige would be the opposite of that which like you know it's got a relatively labyrinthine plot but it takes its time a little bit i suppose it's languid enough but if this shit is what gets it him excited like the dark knight has plenty of clunky dialogue and foggy action where you don't you know you feel like maybe he could have uh, Noah Baumbach and George Miller on as coaches for the dialogue and the the action, but like ultimately, like what we're watching is just you know the just the plot just pummeling along, beat 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 beat, because that's all it is. It's ne- like it's never still for five seconds, um, and I think maybe probably like the rest of the world, I watched it too much uh, at some point in my life, but um, yeah, really enjoyed it this morning. It's a fucking masterpiece. I have nothing to say about The Dark Knight. It's all been said. It has all been said. I will check out that again sometime soon. There was, but that wasn't the only thing, of course, we were watching this week. So for this week's film, we were tasked with choosing something that Roger Ebert had listed as one of his great movies. My selection, which won the coin toss, was 2001's Spirited Away, directed by Hayao Miyazaki of Studio Ghibli. Ghibli? Is it Ghibli? Ghibli. I say Ghibli? Ghibli. I want to say Ghibli. I think it's Ghibli, isn't it? Yeah, so Spirited Away, this film, which uh, had a budget of around 90 million US dollars, went on to gross 383.4 million US worldwide. Disney financed 10% of the production in order to secure the American distribution rights. Disney got John Lasseter to direct a US dub, which was scripted to match the movements of the mouths of the characters. Mm. Now, this was my first Studio Ghibli film. What was your experience with Ghibli before this? Well, this was also my first Studio Ghibli film. I watched it in the cinema way back when it came out. But since then, I've watched My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Princess Mononoke. But I've only seen each of those once. This would probably be, I'd say, the fifth or sixth time I've seen Spirited Away. But still, like, so honestly, I was a little bit bummed uh, when you won, but it took me, like, yeah, five minutes to get right back into it. I think it's a, a great film. And I think as well, Ghibli takes on the the drawing of of actually Totoro as their logo. But I think 
this is as close to the magnum opus of what Studio Ghibli is about from what from what I have seen. Anyway, is it is it is this similar to the other films? I mean, is there something yes. that kind of carries over the same kind of yes uh, ideas the, sensibilities? Uh, the approach to magic is something that certainly like how frankly like magic is presented. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose one of the things that he works with a lot of his films being you know, about children, you know, children being his main characters. Magic, they don't do the whole, you know, Sam Neill seeing the Brontosaurus in Jurassic Park way of doing magic. Magic just arrives. It's what's happening. Nobody's surprised because they're children and children, you know, can believe in things like that, let's say. So, yeah, I th- like, I feel like, for example, let's see, uh, Pan's Labyrinth would be as like uh, almost a live action iteration of I Feel the Way Ghibli Does Magic. Because all the ones I've named here, okay, Princess Mononoke has a bit more of an epic structure, let's say. It's sort of a highfalutin, almost Lord of the Rings-ish tale. But My Neighbor Totoro, just two girls, move to a rural house uh, while their mother is sick in hospital and some weird animal that lives in the forest plays with them and makes them happy until it's time to go see their mother <laughs> I, I saw a similar video to that one time <laughs> kiki's delivery service is about a little girl who's a witch because witches exist in this world and she needs to go away and sort of find herself and what she does is she decides to deliver bread by flying around this little town in what looks like France, but is surely Japan. Like, it's this kind of crack, just, yeah. Yeah, that's when I see things like moving castles and stuff like that. That's kind of what's put me off in the past. My only other experience with Studio Ghibli, uh, last year I played uh, Ni no Kuni 2 on the PS4, which is a role-playing game that the studio produced, featuring the trademark artwork style, and it's scored by Miyazaki's composer, Joe Hisaishi. I don't know. That's I'm I'm on board with a lot of the the imagery and the ideas, and they definitely are able to sell a world very quickly. They can they can put you kind of direct. They can transport you somewhere very easily. But yeah, there's still something about it that's not. It's uh, it's like a bit more gritty realism <laughs> in general. That's <laughs> what I look for from films. So this is not really that, but. What I'll say for this, I think the, the the key element to Spirited Away is immediately within the first five minutes of the film, you're transported to a completely different world. And you just accept it. You accept the rules yeah. of the world. It's crazy how like immediately you're on board and you're like, yep, this is where we are. I'm, I'm with this character. Yeah, hero, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it's very successful world building. For sure, yeah. It's just like, I mean... it. It it flows like a very active imagination. And like, if you read anything about this film, you'll find out that one of the first touchstones of inspiration was he wanted to make a film in which the daughter of some friends of his was basically the main character. Uh, so like a 10-year-old girl and her general sensibilities and way of being. And uh, then other things that like informed the inspiration was he remembered a bathhouse when he was a kid that had its one this weird little door behind the bath that he would just fill in the blanks for what was there with his imagination. Sorry, sent you on here if in case you heard that firework. And um, yeah, then the like like the other the one other thing was Shinto. It's a religion from Japan, right? Shinto religion, and like there's basically gods for everything, and they're in everything all the time. So he just yeah. Can, combined all of those together under this giant uh, relatively effective i would say like critique of um 
capitalism and Western values and the corruption of Japan, etc. So, like, yeah, it's just, but uh, like as you said, it doesn't co- like come across like you know clunkily hammered together. It really, really flows very smoothly, like a tapestry. Shinto. So I lived in Japan for two years, and I would say Shinto is something that I do not understand at all. I've never. I've been to a lot of shrines, etc., and I've I've done all the stuff like the praying type stuff that you're supposed to do. But Shinto seems to me like a religion of nothingness, <laughs> which is which is, in in some ways is something that I would sign up to because it's a religion where you don't actually have to do anything. Well, hold on. You <laughs> prayed kind of, like kind of like Catholic Catholic sacraments. I, I mean, I prayed in as much as I did all the I did the funny little dance that you have to do, clapping Prot- your hands and stuff. Would Protestant God not be annoyed at you? Protestant God and Shinto God are best friends. They hang out together. Oh, sorry, I wasn't. I hadn't been aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have a very similar way of thinking. But you they're know, hard, when I hard workers. When I first saw, um, <laughs> when I first saw Spirited Away, I didn't know about Shinto or anything like that. I just thought he invented it all. I just thought this is mad. <laughs> like I just thought, yeah. oh yeah, it, like there are gods and they wander around and stuff. Like that. I was like, this is some amount of things to invent just for one film. I mean, if like I think when you start saying that everything can have a spirit, you know, like a river's got a spirit. That means you're into like a world where like a building can shag a lake and things, you know, like they're, the spirits are, are in love with each other and stuff. Uh, someone's been you're, reading my blog. Yeah, absolutely. I read that. I thought it was, a, I, I want to say it was, an, it was a very interesting and thoughtful piece of fiction. And I'd like to read more. Please, yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. Well, you I don't want to pick out, you off. You should check out the sequel, um, Broccoli Peas on Computer. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the making. So yeah, so this film, Spirited Away, it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. It was very, very well received. Roger Ebert loved it, which is which is why we ended up watching it. I know that there's some notable names in the American cast, any in the original Japanese cast. I Confession, I watched the dubbed, by the way. Uh, yeah, see, I wasn't sure. I'd, because it was my first time, I thought it would make more sense to watch the original Japanese version with subtitles. My yeah, Japanese I, I only is, watched is it out terrible. of curiosity. Oh, is it? I have a very, very low level of Japanese, but even watching, reading the subtitles, a lot of the translation didn't match up with what was actually being said, even on a very low level. They kind of took the ideas and, and changed things slightly. So it makes sense. I wonder if the subtitles actually matched. The subtitles I was reading, I wonder if they're for the English dub and not actually a translation of the Japanese, because it was, it, even with my shitty level of Japanese, I was able to tell that um, some of the, the English subtitles were not actually accurate translations of what was being said. I don't have a great deal to say about the cast of voice actors. The only notable name that stood out to me was the actor who voiced Kamaji, the spidery-looking guy. He was voiced by a friend of the show, Bunta Sugawara. Is that name familiar to you? Why well, wasn't he the lead in Battles Without Honor and Humanity? That is well remembered. Do you remember the character name from that film? Uh, Ushibushi? Ushibushi is not correct. It's racistly incorrect. It was Shozo hey. Hirono. Shozo Hirono. <laughs> oh, very sorry. Very sorry. Well, see, I was just doing the name. What you did by adding on top of that crossed the line. There's also Mari Natsuki, who voiced the sisters Yubaba and Zaniba. She went on to appear in Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. She made it. 
She made yeah. it into a real animated film from the USA. What a Actual. big bunch of shit. A big bunch of Wes Anderson poo-poo. There was also Miyu Irino, who's the voice of Haku. He is the dubbing actor for such actors as Timothy Chalamet and Michael Cera in the Japanese dub. So that gives you an idea of his vibe. So um, unthreatening heartthrob types. Something like that. Uh, in the English voice dub of uh, Spirited Away, the father's played by Michael Chiklis, old Vic Mackey himself. Fuck yeah. Michael Chiklis getting turned into a pig here. And a special mention is necessary for the actor who voices the foreman, Bandai Gairu. Uh, he's the, also the voice of Squidward in SpongeBob SquarePants. I wasn't familiar with this guy at all. Apparently he's reasonably well known, but the actor's name is Roger Bumpass. Excellent. And I 10 out of 10. It isn't, as a, that alone, I mean, that is, uh, that's a name to work with. I wonder if that's his real name. I hope it's not. I hope he chose it as a stage. <laughs> my name's yeah, my name's John Smith, but I go by Roger Bumpass. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's it. That's the yep, entirety of the cast dispersed away. <laughs> There's no one else of any importance. That is everyone. That's everyone Yay. who appears in all versions. So what? I haven't what, checked the uh, Welsh dub of this film. Well, that, I wonder who's in that. That's going in the coin toss soon enough. Then yeah. That's well, what I want to watch. Spirited away. Shall we move into the plot? Let's do it. What happens in this motherfucker? Eh, just a bunch of stuff. That's it. <laughs> just a bunch of shit. I liked it overall. I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I liked it. Sad. The film starts with Chihiro, a 10-year-old girl, traveling to a new home with her parents in an Audi. Son of a bitch. The car of Western capitalist pigs. I bet it smells like milk. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. These, these, she's with her parents who are wearing all, all Western clothes. Whores. Yeah, and they've got it. Mm-hmm. And her dad decides to push this feat of German engineering to its limits and speeds towards a tunnel, which well, he should've... believes to be a shortcut. Typical, typical dad, right? Do you know what? I mean, pushing it to its limit. Do you know there's no limit if you buy a Toyota? Just saying. Mm. I do think uh, if he had been driving a Japanese car, none of this happens. No, no. No. no trauma for his a daughter. Nice, a nice, sensible journey to his destination. So they, they come across this tunnel. The parents are keen to explore the tunnel, but Chihiro is scared and holds her mum's hand for protection. She's a 10-year-old girl. She's nervous. She's moving, it does look, moving to a new house and a new town, and she's a, she's a young girl. I thought that like that's so effective in terms of like portraying being a kid that uh, just you know nag- like nag- her parents are like no come on and the kid is just like i don't know kids just uh, like i can recall that just kind of having a sense of things like no no let's not let's not go here do you know i just thought that was well i think if we on. look at the in- the entirety of the story she was probably right to not want to go into a tunnel to the spirit world no 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 totally but that's She's that's kind of what i'm getting right. at yeah 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 on the other side of the tunnel, they find an old abandoned theme park with traditional Japanese buildings. Despite the park being empty, there's a huge amount of food sitting ready on a big counter. Chihiro's parents sit down and start gorging themselves. Her dad, in particular, is a big unit and looks like he could pack away a fair amount. And they just, they start, they just, they're, they're eating everything. Yeah. They're just shoveling all this food. And also, because the, there's no one there to serve them. And they're a little worried, but then the dad says, I've got cash, I've got credit cards, I've got all of the 
got all the stuff of the Western world, like do, money, yeah. like cash, got credit they're, cards for the man. And they're, it's, it's weird because the food and how they're eating it looks uh, realistic, but then they're eating in a cartoon manner at the same time, you know? I'm not similar to how I eat. I think you've seen me before. I'm not really a big fan of chewing. It's overrated. Much like Homer Simpson, I eat like a duck. I do recall seeing you eat it in enchilada yeah, one time, and it was very upsetting. Me, yeah, I just swallowed, I swallowed it. I let my stomach deal with that. It's my stomach's job to break down food. It's not, not from my teeth or anything. And have you ever been turned into, a, uh, turned into a bovine? Oh, yeah. All the time. Swine? I was there for Sorry, two years. I lived in Tokyo for two years. So this would just happen been, periodically? I've been transformed into all manner of farmyard animals over the years. I mean, it happens I mean, all the time there. It seems like a relatively just culture. Absolutely. It's all, you know, it's, you face the consequences for your actions. So Chihiro explores the park a little and comes to a bridge next to a big bathhouse where a young boy, Haku, tells her that she needs to leave before it gets dark or she'll be trapped there. She runs back to her parents and finds that they've been transformed into pigs. Actual, Aye. literal pigs. Big, gross pigs, not cute ones. Like Big, and they, they've lost all sense of themselves. They don't recognize her. All they understand is eating. Capitalist metaphor. Mm-hmm. As Chihiro tries to escape the park, she now sees that it is surrounded by water, with spirits arriving on a big riverboat. She starts to fade away, but Haku arrives and gives her a pill to return her to a solid form. Nice. She spends the next ten hours dancing and uh, drinks <laughs> a pint of water each hour as they they go to a rave. Tell strangers she rave. loves them. Yeah, she she has she becomes friends with everyone, and she's hugging out all everyone. All the spirits are all hugging with each other. Sweaty. She just she just and yeah, she's sweating, and there's just a strobe light effect going off, and she says, "I hope this night never ends." And that's the film. Oi, Haku, what happens to this bitch so, next? Yeah, so, so after the rave scene, <laughs> Haku, Haku sneaks Chihiro into the big bathhouse and tells her to go down and see Kamaji, who kind of looks like if British criminal Charles Bronson played Dr. Octopus. Yes. Uh, Haku, he's got a nice big beard, but he's also like got multiple handsy. arms. He's very handsy. He's very handsy. He's not, not the ideal employer. He's no, a lot no, of accusations no. against him, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy can't keep his hands to himself. I mean, statistically speaking, yeah, if somebody was groped, it's just more likely that it was him. Yeah, but yeah it's definitely Kamaji again. <laughs> it could be accidental. Do you think he has, like, full control over all of his arms at all times? He's able to do stuff like open drawers and, and I take, think like, without looking. I think you sound like uh, his attorney brainstorming defenses. <laughs> No, wait, I'm not. I'm saying that he has full control. He knows what he's doing. My client only has control of two of his arms at any one time. Haku tells Chihiro that she'll need to insist on a job from the bathhouse boss. Kamaji runs the furnace that powers the bathhouse, aided by little creatures who throw lumps of coal into the fire. We have a nice little scene where uh, Chihiro helps those little creaturey things to throw some coal. And then they Mm -hmm. want her to do all the work. Yeah, then they become her friends. Kamaji decides to help Chihiro and tells Lin, another girl who works in the bathhouse, to take Chihiro up to see the boss of the place, a witch called Yubaba. We get to see the interior of the bathhouse as Lin and Chihiro make their way up to the top. 
it's a traditional, uh, typical ryokan onsen type place. So pretty typical kind of a lot of the interior of Japanese, of old school Japanese restaurants and hotels look like this. Except in this one, all the customers are spirits. Odd looking spirits with pedo vibes. They get up to see Yubaba. Yubaba's a hideously ugly, weirdly proportioned lady. As assistant, she has three decapitated heads which bounce around going oi, 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 oi. And a little bird thing which has her face. Very Zardos vibes from the head boys. They are very Zardozzy. They're very much like the giant Zardoz head. But apparently these are like a traditional spirit type thing in Japan, which jumps out of trees and, and eats people. The penis? So there you go. Evil. On the topic of Zardoz, I believe we have this. The gun is good. The gun is good. The penis is evil. <laughs> Always nice to get a refresher. Yubaba tries to scare Chihiro away, but after Yubaba's massive scary baby wakes up and starts crying, she relents and gives Chihiro a contract. At the same time, she takes away Chihiro's name, literally, and gives her a new name, San. It's a grand old name. Yeah, it's fine. It, it, there's giant babies in Akira as well, aren't there? I don't recall. I've That's probably the anime that I've seen the most. Like, that's the... the Japanese animated film that I've seen the most times, which is probably three. I don't recall mm. giant babies. I do recall just people morphing into big, out-of-control, monstery, powerful things. Must watch that again. That's a film I would like to... Yeah, I would quite like to watch that again. It also reminds me of uh, that, that Josh Trank film, Chronicle, which is very Great much... Great film. A, ...a Western adaptation of Akira. So, now a bathhouse employee, Sen's job is to clean and maintain one of the big baths. Then, one day, a big, dirty, sludge creature arrives. With all the bathhouse workers equally disgusted and afraid, it is Sen's responsibility to help this thing wash, which she does. When she finds something sticking out of the beast, she gives it a tug. Nice. Pulling out a huge pile of rubbish, metal, pipes, broken bicycles, etc. It turns out to be the spirit of a polluted river. It gives Sen some magic medicine. It's real satisfying, that bit, isn't it? It is. You want it, you just... There's a couple of times where people, where spirity things purge themselves, and there's just vast, kind of, like, amounts of effluence and bits of metal and stuff coming out of them. Mm. And it is very nice. It's like, uh, it's like taking a large poo. <laughs> it is a bit like... Very a large satisfying. Poo that, that you don't have to wipe, made exactly. Made of metal. Yeah, exactly. poo made of metal. Exactly. Of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> You're losing me. No, I think we know what we're, I think we all know what we're talking about. So not only does Sen get some magic medicine, but the, the polluted river spirit also drops a big load of gold. Gold. Gold, leaving I like Yubaba, gold. Leaving Yubaba very pleased, and she has a smoke and a pancake to celebrate. Hype and a crepe. A waffle. In the bathhouse, we see the no-face character, a black spirit with a face mask, who we've noticed in the background throughout the film. Uh, we yeah. see him eat, and he eats an annoying little frog twat. Which and then kind of takes no on a frog with. shape. Yeah, that's right, because this no-face, again, I think this is a traditional Japanese spirit thing. It doesn't have any particular form. It just, whatever, whatever it eats, it starts to mimic, which is why 
when it, uh, it, it, it later goes on to eat a couple of uh, employees, it starts to become extremely greedy. Even eating the frog was enough to, to make it greedy because everyone who works in this bathhouse is an evil capitalist pig. That's the message, Every last yes. One of them. Yes. Every last No one. Face is really is really spooky. Um there's like sort of I a... like the way that he interacts and the way that he gets his point across. He goes, eh, 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, which is very similar to how I communicate. Oh yeah, I know, I've seen you. And it, I mean it's never it's never eh. held you back even a tiny bit. I've seen you get jobs I, with I less. I would say yeah. I would say it's actually, it actually aids me far more than me trying to explain myself. Your stand-up set just... improved massively once you just limited yourself to those noises. I did have one time, I seem to remember, I went on stage and pretty much did just go, eh. <laughs> Do you know what? It didn't go that well. <laughs> yeah, it was very meta. They probably weren't on the same was, yeah, page of, they just didn't get of a highbrow it. comedy you know, manual tell as you, you. I tell you who would have liked it, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, indeed. He would have been he would like have given flame me a with film. that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, he would have fucking he would have he would have taken out his iPhone and made a film of me. That's it. That's what that boy be at. No face can produce gold from from nowhere or anywhere. <gasps> but it's not gold. Just, well, I like to think it's gold. It's gold colored. That's enough for me. He he takes out his pebbles, his gold covered pebbles, and insists that the bathhouse serve him. As he showers all of the bathhouse employees with gold, they rush around to bring him food, which he promptly shovels into his frog-like mouth. Yeah, and this is another iteration that we have of greed and gluttony generally being um, representations of, you know, malice, evil. Because he, he is scary. He kind of gets redeemed for a finish, but he is a spooky old creep, isn't he, No-Face? He likes his food. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. He, the man enjoys eating. He likes eating, just like Jack Black in School of Rock. What's wrong with that? <laughs> that is a line in School of Rock, isn't it? Yeah, he's like, I like food. I like eating. It's a, it's a it's, good defense. Yep, he does, does not hint at any moral degradation. It's all fine. At the same time, San is in her room looking out the window when she sees an injured dragon being chased by little paper birds, the most dangerous animals in all of Japan. Mm-hmm. Sen believes the dragon is Haku, who's also Yubaba's assistant. As Haku flies off up to Yubaba, Sen is worried that Yubaba will kill him in his injured state. So she decides to head up there herself. On her way there, she runs into No-Face, who offers her a bunch of his moody gold, which she turns down. Infuriated, No-Face then eats two more bathhouse workers. Yeah, and that's what that's how it is. It's like... um. She she just can't be uh, touched by all of this. She's representative of um, you know the ideals that Miyazaki would have for Japan, which is uh, no, I don't want any of your food and fake gold and comfort. I just want to go help my friend. But then it also hints at the reality of the situation. If you buck the system, then two other workers will be metaphorically eaten. Yeah, actually, if, it does. If you don't play like, ball. You might not like the system, but you should play others. ball. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. You should have taken that gold off of No Face, and then those other two people wouldn't have ended up eaten. It's like right? they say. Do your job. It's like they say in Black Hawk Down. It's not about the flag, and it's not about the hadjis. It's about the man standing next to you. Upstairs, as Sen tries to protect Haku from the big baby, the three weird heads, and the Yubaba looking harpy thing. The paper birds are revealed to have been sent by Yubaba's sister, Zaniba, who looks exactly Bitch. like her. 
Yeah. It has to be noted. There's no difference. It, she had sent these magic birds in order to retrieve a magic seal, which Haku had been sent to steal. Using magic, Zaniba turns the baby into a fat mouse thing, the harpy into like a tiny little black bird, and then she turns the three heads into the baby, which is a str- an interesting, it's a strange system right there. It's enough to see you visited by the Ministry of Magic, I would say. Definitely. That's all kinds of wrong. That's all kinds of wrong, making a baby out of three heads. It's not right. No. It's Two wrongs don't make a right. Absolutely. After falling down to Kamaji's boiler room, Sen gives the magic medicine she previously received to Haku, who then vomits up the seal he stole and a spell which was binding him to Yubaba. There's a lot of magic-y stuff going on here. I'm not a massive fan of all this, of all this magic. Yeah. They never try to explain it or uh, or anything, so it is just that. It's just magic. That's what it is. Go with it. I wanted one hour of Christopher Nolan exposition explaining the magic. <laughs> I wanted a character telling me. We call so, this a ceiling spell. Yeah. Somebody like, yeah, so you need a way into the world like Elliot Page in Inception. Exactly. That's the, that is the character I was thinking about. And and good for you saying Elliot Page. That's That's real growth. Yeah, I feel... I feel it is. Sen realizes she needs to go to Zaniba to return the seal. Kamaji gives her four train tickets for the train to Zaniba's house. On the way out of the bathhouse, Sen gives the other half of her medicine to No Face, who starts vomiting out sewage and the three people he previously swallowed. Well, two people and a little frog thing. But uh, yeah, No Face vomits everyone out, and he, he starts to look he starts to look normal. Get back to his nice little slim, trim no face form well not before like uh chasing sen around like a mad lizard thing chasing her around while vomiting and, and i falling think, apart I, mean, <laughs> I think we've all been there we've all chased <laughs> someone through a japanese bathhouse while we vomit people out of our mouth never a little girl we've all been there no usually not i usually prefer sen- to ch- chase fat old men that makes sense <laughs> while vomiting that's my chasing while vomiting game is fat old men <laughs> Yeah, and then when you catch them, and then when you catch them, you just you have them chase you. Exactly, it's a game. Uh, I love I love that that, that Miyazaki does this. He like takes very real aspects of Japanese culture and like dresses them in a more palatable magic sort of a way. You know, you've got your myths for capitalism. You've got your vomit chasing, your capitalist uh, metaphors. You know, all the classics, all the classics. You've got your your. Your made-up Shinto religion thing, Shinto, sure. Yeah, you just make up what a is religion. It? Is it like is cool. it like a religion about part of your leg? Is that what this is? is I think it's supposed to be Pokemon. I think he's trying to represent Pokemon in the, the magical sense. realm. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I did see a Psyduck somewhere in there. Last time I was living in Tokyo, I did see like uh, a fifty-year-old lady playing that game, Pokemon mm, Go, like yeah. chasing around Pokemon. She was cycling around town trying to find Pokemon, and uh, I respected her. Yeah, yeah. So I start. I started vomiting. I immediately started vomiting and running after. <laughs> I to mean, engage. you Next got with level. the culture. That's good. That's it. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. When the, when eventually No Face catches up with her, then uh, he remind he reminds me of a kid uh... that that none of um, my friends or nor I liked in secondary school who would always try to hang out with us at lunchtime, just lurking around. And like, uh, you know, is, um, what's her name? Lynn is trying to row Chichiro over to where the train And she's like, oh, why is that lurk following us? And she's like, uh, he's lonely, I guess. Well, moving on from your stories of bullying a young boy, 
Sen makes her way to the train station with the mouse, bird and no face following behind, using her four tickets when the train arrives. The group take the train to Swamp Bottom, where Zaniba lives. When Sen returns the seal, Zaniba makes her a magic hairband before Haku, now fully restored in dragon form, arrives at the door to fly Sen back to the bathhouse. As Sen flies through the air on Haku's back, she remembers a story that her mother told her of a time she fell into a river as a young child and was miraculously saved. Yeah. It turns out that Haku is the spirit of that river, that um, she fancies a river. Yeah, she fancies a river. That's she's, kind of She's into thesis. a river. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was an odd little thesis, but I suppose, I mean, again, there's the aspect of the film that's just made for kids. You know, kids would watch that and I suppose would go, oh, yeah, totally. I get it. Like we're there, like me, me and you are there watching. Well, then why wasn't the, didn't the film open with a flashback sequence and then a title card that said six years later? That's why I wanted. Why was there no narrator? Why was there no narrator? I wondered that myself. How are we supposed to, to know what the characters are thinking? It should have been thinking? the adult version of her. Should have been. I remember many. Yeah, ago. now we're talking. Now we're talking. This needs a remake. Someone get Chris Nolan on the phone. Sometimes people turn into pig. When she what, says the what, wait, wait, name. And why do we turn into pigs, Bruce? <laughs> why do we turn into pigs? Must because we ate food that wasn't for us. <laughs> because we stole food from a spirit kitchen. When San says the river's name, Haku turns back into human-ish form and flies them down to the ground in yeah, a way still fly. That's a cool. river might. He's a flying river boy. Hmm. River what? Phoenix <laughs> does nothing more than word association, but it fits. I mean, a phoenix is a bird. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finally, in order to free her parents, Sen must pick them out from a big group of pigs. That, that classic Japanese game that normally <laughs> is played after vomit chases. Choose the pigs. It's a classic. Choose, choose the pigs to, choose the pigs. to, to be your parents. Yeah. <laughs> then you just go home with two pigs and live with them. <laughs> yes. That's how that's that's the how the nuclear family is formed there. It's a, the, the it's a farm based you. guessing game. Yeah. As you eat the father bit by bit. Yeah. <laughs> Realizing that it's a trick, she tells you Baba that her parents are not there, guessing correctly and breaking the spell. There is like a weird like the kind of celebration of the well done, you you guessed mm. the correct pigs. Yeah, They're like yeah, that's correct. It's like everyone's set up for this game. They love it. They love the game. Like they've they've been waiting all week for the like pig pig guessing game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Absolutely delighted when it comes. It's to like your baba yes, was, was, was It's time for pigs, was, guys. Was walking like around the the bathhouse, going, "Oh, I got to come up with a test for her uh, to, you know, to figure out." And all the employees are going, "Can we do the pig game? Can pigs, we, do, we, pigs. we love the Can pig we do game." Pigs. <laughs> Go pigs! Haku takes her back to the tunnel and tells her to keep going without looking back. When she arrives at the tunnel, she finds her parents looking for her. Her parents back in normal form, as a fat bastard and his wife, with no memory of anything that has happened. They go through the tunnel, and on the other side, they find their car all covered in dirt and twigs, suggesting that time has passed. It, it really, this was real. This was a real thing. They get into their German car and drive off to their big European house, probably, and they retain their place in the capitalist structure that, that oppresses us all. The end. 
And then three years later, Chichiro wakes up on a bus. No, wakes up in a classroom, having fallen asleep on a bus. And is and told she has, Yeah, yeah, but now she's in Battle Royale. Ah, that makes sense. And then she starts vomiting, and then they bring out the, bring out the pigs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the real Battle Royale. Despite all our cynical mutterings, of course, I have said before, I really, really enjoy this. It kind of has Me too. A, a darkness that's missing from an awful lot of kids' movies these days uh, that was very much present in like content from the 80s. Um, I th- I like, and again, I've seen this a bunch of times. I would definitely watch this again. I think it's beautiful and enjoyable and engaging and not at all as silly as you know you might think with what's on the tin. Yeah, absolutely. This would inspire me to watch uh, other Ghibli films, and I will eventually. It, it's I don't know why I haven't got around to them before, especially having lived over there for a while. Mm. I just never managed to get them watched, and now I will. I've been very interested in um, Grave of the Fireflies for years, particularly. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't watched that. It seems yeah, yeah. the like animated misery. Yeah, right. right? Up my alley. It seems like just, an entry point I, for me. Instead, I've watched the I fucking Totoro and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think maybe because I know it's going to be so depressing is why I haven't got around to it yet. Well, they're all like, on. Um, they're all on uh, Netflix now. Every studio Ghibli. Oh, movie. are they? Oh, wow! Yeah, Great. yeah. They did a contract with Netflix. Um, also, you can also find them at your local blockbuster. Remember? Of course, you can on VHS farm. Miyazaki has done a few Soderbergs in his career, and he's currently like he's in the process of like making a movie now again. Like, uh, uh, so this would be post his second retirement. But he says he's making this one at the pace of a retired man, and he says he's making it. It takes him about like he says. Like at the peak of his career, he could make 15 minutes of animation in about three months. And at the moment, he's like, it take like three months will get him about one minute. So he says he's real, which, you know, I mean, he's probably just going to die before he finishes it. But there you go. I remember in like around 2013, he made that film, The Wind Rises, which yeah. again, I still haven't watched, but... I seem to remember that was about like a World War II pilot. <laughs> and I, I feel like it was like slightly controversial at the time because it was kind of like pro the Japanese armed forces in World War II. I haven't seen it. I could be completely misremembering that, but I feel like it was like slightly dodgy even at the time. Mm. You don't catch much pro Japanese stuff during <laughs> World War II. Maybe the emperor was right all along. Have you ever seen City of Life and Death? No. It's a film about the rape of Nan King. Um, it it's truly horrifying, and like I've read a bit about the rape of Nan King, and it, so it's not stretching the truth, but as you would expect from a Chinese film about World War Two. But uh, oh my god, like it's yeah, yeah, Japanese the, the, again. Yeah, I've read bits and pieces about that particular incident, and uh, or it's not even I wouldn't say incident. I mean, it stretched on for a prolonged period of time, and uh, yeah. I don't know what the Miyazaki animated film of the Rape of Nanking will look like, but uh, yeah, I'm on board to see it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I want to when he finally wanna, makes it. I want to see. Uh, I want to hear the Japanese side of the story personally. You know, it's probably just ninety minutes of a black screen of just nothing happened. No, there's nothing to see. Good ah, performance art. Don't I know like what it. you're talking about. So. For this week's toss, I'm sorry about the criteria. Well, so yeah, so the criteria was we needed to pick something which was nominated for worst film at the Razzies. Surprise, surprise! There's not a great selection. I don't. I was shocked actually. I thought there was. Well, I don't know if I want to say shocked because 
as I mentioned previously, I did kind of expect the Razzies to kind of throw sir they they nominate things where you're like, okay, yeah, 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 okay, we get it. You don't like Ben Affleck. Like there's just things where there there's certain people that they just they don't like their public persona, and it's not even about the film. Yeah, that's true. That's probably fair. There uh, and also some of it is just you know jumping on the back of news stories. Like say what yeah, you want, definitely. Water Waterworld should not be there. You know. No, it's that ju- was yeah, it should have been at the Academy Award. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. But no, it just it shouldn't have been. So yeah, I like. There, I mean, there are some definite turkeys there over the years that you can. I jump back and forth on what I was. What are you nominating? I might guess. Can I guess? Yeah, I. I uh, I'll let me say this, and you, you know, I think you know, there were a lot of very tempting options, but really there was only one choice. It had to be. Okay. Tell me. I'm, tell me. I'm going to say Independence Day Resurgence. No. Okay. One there was more. only there was only one choice. There was one choice. It had to be. I had no choice. When I, when else am I going to watch this? Battlefield nah, Earth. I don't know. That would have been a good choice. No, I had to oh, go for 2019's okay. Cats. It has to be Cats. Oh what? Okay. Well, yeah. Fair enough. I. Has, I mean, it has to has to be it has to be Cats. That's Sorry. fair. That's fair. I honestly, I I was all gonna go Battlefield Earth, and then I it's just very watched... tempting as well. I watched the trailer and chickened out. I was just, I do not, yeah. I don't want to watch it. I, I, it, it's going I think to be. they use like fighter jets. Don't they have, are, they've got something like cavemen flying fighter jets or something? I, I don't know. know but maybe. like uh, the trailer has John Travolta on multiple occasions, but no lines, just him cackling. <laughs> oh, yeah, he plays the baddie, I think. I don't really want to turn Scientology against us. We're still on, I mean, yeah, most we're still of our on good terms. is Scientology. So instead, I've decided to go with uh, Rambo Last Blood. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. That could be fun. There you are. I believe it's your week with the coin. It okay. is 20 or some kind of big statue mecha warrior thing. Uh, I don't know why it actually is. I'll take the mecha like fella. A, yeah, it's like a statue or something. Well, congratulations, you have successfully escaped cats. Yay! Oh, that's good. I think Rambo would be a bit of crack. Blood is. Yeah, it should be good fun. I'm, I might actually, well, I'm not going to sign up for definitely watching multiple Rambo films, but the last Rambo film I watched was the one where he, it's maybe just called Rambo or something. He goes to Thailand. That's so fun, that he, movie. He he blows people to pieces. It's like such, it's one of it's the such a racist movie. I've ever yeah, yeah, seen. yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is that fellow ridiculous. Do, yeah, do you remember? Maybe the... I'll watch all the Rambo's. There's a there's a including game including Son of Rambo. There's a game that the Burmese army play where they like unleash peasants into a swamp and <laughs> just like make bets on when they're gonna step on mines. It's fucking hilarious. When Oi. I watched the documentary Rambo, it really put me off moving to Burma. Yurt. All right. Well, until then, um, this has been great. Really efficient podcasting this week. It is efficient. <laughs> Japanese efficiency. Yes, indeed. Forget Landed your me. stupid Audis and all that stuff. The real efficiency. Vorsprunder technique? I don't think so. The real efficiency is in Japan. Don't forget. Uh, yeah. All right. The real efficiency in Japan by Japanese. But, but uh, wait, wait, wait. We don't. We need the criteria for last for next time. Which this oh, is yeah. my. Your it's criteria. my obligation to give. I like that we keep forget, almost forgetting to do this. Yes, we do. Basis, we'll need to but... get it reflexed. 
But uh, yeah, the criteria for next time is I'd like to watch a war film, in inverted commas, war. So you can interpret that however you want, but it must be a war movie. Excellent. Great. Okay. That'll do, pig. (laughs) That will do. That'll do, pig, all of us. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Okay. Bye, folks. I love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Love you, too. Bye.